0: And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Hey
1: everybody, welcome back to the Pure Victory Podcast. I hope that you are enjoying these questions that we're getting coming in, and we're referencing our last episode of Listener. I guess, led questions. So you, you, our listeners out there sent some questions in and we're trying our best to answer them. And I think that we just so enjoy this. So we want to do it again. So if this is something that you feel comfortable in doing, send in your question, it can be an anonymous, it can be um, You can tell us your name, that's fine, to You You can send a voice memo to our email, um, which will be on the show notes. And we would love to just uh, highlight your question and, and, and try to answer it. Uh, we just love engaging with our listeners this way. And I think you guys have a lot of great questions. So let's do this again. But we have a second episode of doing this. And if you want to hear our first episode, go back to last week's. But this week, we're going to continue on in some of these questions that you all sent in. And there's some good ones. There's some great questions here. Um, and we are looking forward to knocking them off one by one here. <laughs> so we have a great question here from Gerhard. I think that's how you pronounce it, Gerhard. You got it. A German friend, lover German friends. Gerhard, if you're not German, I'm sorry. Sounds German, no? Um, he has a question asking, how do I reconnect with my spouse after becoming free from porn? And that's a question that I think uh, we've we've encountered before. But it's... It's a really good question because sometimes we don't understand that two people are a bit of, uh, affected by porn and when we're married. And, and often uh, our spouse is left by the wayside, so we might get help and healing, but our spouse uh, is still suffering and, and struggling because they're going through the aftermath of, of that betrayal. And we usually answer this question from the point of view of the husband's the one disclosing the porn and getting free from porn, because that's primarily, not always, but primarily where we see this question come at us from. So we'll try to answer it the best we can with both uh, kind of spouses in mind here. But often what we don't understand is if you're a husband that has had porn in the marriage and you have maybe moved towards getting that behavior out, getting some freedom, getting some healing... And our your spouse, your wife is is there, but she hasn't gotten, hasn't gotten any help. One of the things that we don't understand is that the porn use that we have brought into the marriage has call, caused for her something called betrayal trauma or even sometimes PTSD. It has been so severe, so acute of a wound that it's hurt her so deeply that unless she gets help too, along with us, we might be free. We might have that porn out of the marriage, but our the our our ability to move closer to our spouse is very limited because our, our wife our wives are suffering if they haven't got their own help. Are you still
0: clearing that cookie out of your mouth? Yep.
1: yep. Uh, yeah. So I was <laughs> just eating the cookie before we came on here and it was
0: delicious. And, <laughs> I can just tell you know, it's like yeah. nobody probably in
1: the aftermath of all that flavor happening here, a chocolate chip cookie. I'm just watching him like that. Seems like he's really enjoying the crumbs. It's like I'm talking all of a sudden a new crumb comes out out of nowhere.
0: (laughs) That's gross. Sorry, everybody. Oh, man. Earlier this year is all about high chews for a couple months. Remember that?
1: We're so healthy. It's that we should be bringing uh, some kale chips or something. eh? Oh, my goodness. some protein powder. I don't know. Seriously. We
0: actually do eat healthily. We do. When we we have lunch together, we eat healthy. We've gotten so much better. We went yeah. from
1: donaires all the way to uh salads i think right some, oh yeah, yeah there's salads there's
0: you know we, yep. we we generally are but yep. but uh, <laughs> it well. doesn't sound like it <laughs> i choose earlier this year now there's chocolate chip cookies uh-huh. it's only because bradden just had an event and now yeah. Kristen, his wife is trying to get rid of uh that's our excuse cookies. and we're sticking and so, with it okay there you go we there are we go. getting rid of the cookies and then we're doing our part and we did we polished them off. Mm-hmm. all right back to it so there's a question and I like, I love your answer. You know, there's common things to expect. One of them is the PTSD and the betrayal trauma the wives go through. Some some common things are are that uh, a husband often feels more free or, or a wife, right? And obviously you you said that, that the context is a husband confessing, but if a wife confesses, it's the same thing. Whoever does a confessing, they feel more free and almost like more peace than they ever did before at least since they've had their secret sin. And at the same time, their spouse is in utter turmoil. Mm -hmm. And we have to realize that what we've been doing, if we're the culprit, we've known about for a long time and we've been looking to get free. Now we've gotten it out into light. Now we're working through things. Now we feel free of that burden. But our spouse often hasn't known for a long time and this is fresh. And so now there's this wound that they're in shock over and having to process and they don't know what to do and so a lot of husbands that i've talked to have asked me what do i do with reconciling god's grace for me and not wanting to beat myself up but or or like understanding that i shouldn't beat myself up even though often i feel like i should um but yet my wife is struggling and it's because of me Am I allowed to live in grace? Multiple, multiple husbands have asked me this. Is it okay for me to just like kind of be somewhat okay when my wife is struggling and it's because of me? And the reality is we have to be okay. We like, not okay, but like we have to live in God's grace. We have to, because it's the only way to approach our spouse from a place of health and from a place of um, not condemnation, but freedom in Christ. And so individually we have to understand what we've done. Scripture talks with the plank in our own eye. We have to look at the plank in our own eye on both sides. And that is tough when we every day we see the result of it in our spouse or in our kids, the result of what we've done. It's tough to live in God's grace. But also from the other side of uh, the coin, our spouse, or I'll speak to the spouse, the spouse listening when you've been betrayed, it also is very important to look at the plank in your own eye, because if not, you're going to look through a lens of judgment, you're going to look through a lens of sin and often condemnation, whether you know it or not. And that hinders the the reconciliation and the intimacy in a marriage, it hinders health in your own heart. And so looking at your own life and going, you know, I've never done what my spouse did, but I know I've I've screwed up in different ways. I realize that there's brokenness that in me that's led me to do things. I can see that in my spouse, too. The sin is never OK. But understanding that we are all imperfect and we all need the grace and the mercy of God every day, um, that is so essential for for spouses to move forward in conversation otherwise it's just accusation and defensiveness. Mm -hmm. Um, and that drives us apart. Then when we come together, it doesn't go well. And so when we can both operate in the grace of God for ourselves and for each other, it's really, really vital to coming back together. And so there's a, you know, there's a lot to this reconnecting with our spouse, but that's a principle that I, that I always encourage couples to, to operate with. Um, and, you know, one other thing is that you you try to answer questions like there's gonna be a lot of answers or a lot of questions that come up and do your best to answer it, But more so, look at the heart behind the question. The heart behind the question that your spouse is asking you is often one that's begging for safety, begging for security, begging to just know that they're loved, know that they're seen. And so your question or or their question, if they're asking you like, how many times did you do this? Or do you think about this person when you're with me? Or all these questions, like there's different ways to answer. There's different degrees to which you should answer or should not answer certain questions. But if you can remember the heart behind the question and speak to that, um, what you're doing is you're prioritizing intimacy over understanding. That's one way to say it. It's really important to try to understand things. But you are never going to fully understand things. We don't fully understand God, but yet He invites us into intimacy with Him. Mm-hmm. And so, if we can pursue each other's hearts and pursue intimacy with each other, even when there is a misunderstanding or we just don't get each other, um, it, it it can be hard, especially when tensions tensions are high. And maybe there's there's dynamics where you're like, I don't know how that plays out. And that's where counsel comes in. But but that just some. Where I just want to give some principles that. You're gonna you're gonna want to incorporate into your into your relationship.
1: Yeah, that's great. So, kind of to summarize, I think really it's key. Both of you need to get help. And if you're the husband, obviously you've gotten that that you're, you move towards healing and help. But your wife needs help too. She needs to get help to move towards healing. Two tracks here, one marriage, and really you both need to get help. And then, yeah, you need to move slow and create safety and security again with your spouse. And that's going to take time and understanding as Matt, you're sharing, you know, you might be in a celebratory mood because you got porn out. Woohoo. You know, we're happy for you. That's great. But she doesn't feel celebratory. She's hurting. So you have to have some understanding and understand that she's going to ask questions to fill in those gaps in her mind. She's playing detective a bit. You know, when did you look at porn? Are you still looking at porn? Don't get frustrated. Hun, I haven't looked at porn in six months. Why do you keep asking me? Why do you keep bugging me? No, no frustration. Understanding. And this is going to take the help of God. It's going to take an ongoing work of him in your marriage. And it's going to take some time. Don't demand to come back together sexually right away either. And this is something that's going to take some time too to create that safety and security. So, um, but you both need help. Um, You might've been the offender in this, but your spouse needs help just as much as you did. So that's some key understanding with this and uh, how you can work towards reconnecting as a couple.
0: Yeah. and, And I will say too, before we go to the next question, just quickly, what I recommend is not the only way, but what I recommend is get some help individually at the mm-hmm. start because then you can fully process things and you can get all of your emotion out. Um, but you you also have more of an individual approach where you're looking at what wounds or insecurities have come up because of this situation, but maybe I've been carrying them since my childhood. And then once you're more healthy individually, then your conversations just naturally go better in your marriage. So there's couples that go to couples counseling right away. I'm not against it. I just think when you're trying to work things out in your marriage, but you're both insecure, you both have wounds from your childhood that are now at the surface, but you're trying to figure out communication instead of the heart wounds, it doesn't it doesn't always go as well. And, I, and so what, what we've just seen and what we recommend is get individual help and then move to the point eventually when you're ready to doing it together, getting yeah. help together. And so, you know, some people will recommend the other and say, no, it's a couple, it's a marriage issue, get help together. I understand that in theory. I just haven't seen it played out as effectively. So, Yeah, very true.
1: Because you can't work on the marriage, um, uh, work on marriage principles of communication and rebuilding intimacy until some of that individual work is done first. And uh, that's why we, we always recommend the other um, to get the individual help for your your wife to get help with the betrayal trauma and hurt there, you to get help with the porn and the behavior aspect and the healing there, um, and then you can come back together because you're you're just going to be expressing anger and hurt in those marriage sessions versus trying to work towards rebuilding and regrowing your marriage. So, um, good caveat there. Next question is actually from another Matt. Man,
0: there's a lot of you. Hey, oh, there's a lot. But there's only one yeah. Matt Klein. <laughs> Oh man! (laughs) Yeah, the most, the most, easily the most common name in pure freedom journey is Josh. There's so many Joshes. Joshes. It's hilarious, but I guess there's a few (laughs) Matts.
1: Right. So Matt, thanks for this question. You asked the question. How do we handle long dry spells, sex-wise, in marriage? And this is something that, uh, yeah, we've gotten questions like this before, uh, not on the podcast, but just in ministry and life in general. And this is something that can have a lot of reasons for dry spells. I mean, we mentioned one uh, in the previous question where a dry spell can come about because of some trauma that the marriage has been inflicted upon it, whether it's porn or infidelity or something like that. So that's one category of dry spell. um, And that's a different kind of way of handling. And I think our first question kind of answered a little bit of that already. Um, There needs to be healing before you can move towards engaging in sex again. So I think that answered that well, but other dry spells, there's reasons. I mean, Matt, for instance, you're in the midst of raising a young family right now. You got your little young whippersnappers at home. So how do you do this when you have little kids just clawing and prying at you and playing all all over the place and playing all over the place? That's weird but all <laughs> well, they, they do they do
0: everywhere they play they climb yeah dinner yeah. happens you climb on daddy's shoulders that's or that's dinner true. like oh yeah, they- yeah. everywhere and exactly
1: so-, so dry spells happen in the, when you have young kids because they demand a lot of your time and attention and they're pulling at you a lot so this is a great one for you to to jump in on and is uh, how do you handle a dry spell due to the seasons of life specifically when you have young kids
0: well, I remember Trey Morgan was on our podcast a few years ago. He said, if your kids are sleeping with you, get your kids out of your bed mm-hmm. and lock your door. Yep. You got to get your kids out of your bed. If that's a reality, you got to train your kids. We, our first guy, David, he it was not a good sleeper. <laughs> but you know why he wasn't a good sleeper for so long? Like for years, especially his first 12 months, brutal. But for, you know, well, honestly, even still, he's not that good sleeper. Our second is better. You know why David's not that good of a sleeper? The main reason? Because we didn't train him well. We were too easy on him and we tried different strategies and then it wouldn't work in the time frame we wanted and we changed something else. If you're and, and so there were times where he would be in our bed and it's because we're just too exhausted. And he just kept, I mean, it's like 10 times a night, this kid's getting up and we're just too tired. And eventually we're just like, okay. But then it turns into like, I, I mean, there's people that their six year olds still sleep with them there, especially when they're single parents, but even with, with, with married parents and it's, it, it's, we need to take responsibility. Louise and I realized we were wrong. We need to train our kid. He doesn't run the show. And so, you know, if your kid is sleeping with you, that's, that's a very simple answer it's not easy but spend a week training your kid on how to sleep on their own that's gonna that's gonna do it here's the deal though we in our marriage have had multiple dry spells because of a medical issue so um, when I say multiple I mean two times It was 12 months at a time and now those were the longest and then there's others in that and so it's brutal to go through like it's brutal but there's too many couples especially older couples but even some younger couples where they just kind of go through dry spell and it just is what it is. Like it's, you know, we have sex three times a year and it just is what it is. And it's been that way for 15 years or, you know, I haven't had sex with my spouse for five years or for 25 years I've heard. And it's just, it's an opportunity for me to deal with your stuff. And so when biblically there's a command in first Corinthians seven, like literally it's an instruction from God to come together sexually That's something that we should take seriously. And so if our kids are getting in the way of that, let's not let them get in the way of that anymore. If we need to go to some extreme measure to come together, sex is not supposed to be an afterthought. It's something to prioritize. And so if you need to schedule it, that's Mm -hmm. awesome. If you need to go to a hotel for a night, that's awesome. If you need to wake up in the middle of the night, like literally have a nap during the day, then go to bed, then wake up in the middle of the night. Like it's worth it to connect. and so sex is not just some beautiful gift that's in, that's like the last thing on the list it's a priority mm-hmm. it's all throughout scripture genesis to revelation jesus talks about it like it's so it's so important for marriages and so if you have a dry spell in your marriage what i know because i've been through it is that you also have a dry spell emotionally with your in- intimacy you also aren't having as much fun with your spouse you also are not having as many dates. You're not laughing as much with your spouse. All of those things are so important. And when you're not connecting physically, there's there's a there's a, a, a exponential impact of that. Mm-hmm. And so, what are the things then that you need to talk through with your spouse? To get to the point where you don't have a dry spell anymore. Yep. And that's what I always find sad when people, when couples do just kind of give up and they're like, you know what, it's because of my wife's sexual abuse when she was a kid and now we don't have sex anymore because she just says she's done with it. Or I, I just have my own issues because of medical things for me and therefore we don't ever come together. You know, if intercourse is not an option, there's other ways to have sexual activity together. Um, there's oral sex, there's fondling with hands, there's just like lying naked together. Mm-hmm. There's physical intimacy that you can do and just don't let things get in the way. If it's emotional pain, like like sexual abuse or whatever, which is a real thing, um, or another thing, another one, this was semi-real for us, but even more so I know for other couples where there's been miscommunication in at the start of the marriage and there was pain in sex but it wasn't really talked about then a spouse is like is like secretly or silently mad at their at their spouse for hurting them and the one spouse like I didn't I didn't even know that I was hurting them and then there's just miscommunication like that's a prime example of hey there's communication that can happen to resolve this sometimes we need to forgive our spouse for things and that will remove bitterness from getting in the way of our sex life if there's things to forgive there's things to talk through if there's pain in your life that's stopping you, if there's shame from past sexual experiences, that's stopping you from having a healthy sex life in your current marriage, that's something to talk through. It's something to get work on. Maybe seek help professionally. Pray about that. Don't just read the Bible and pray for blessing on your day and not talk about the thing that's hindering you from having sex in your marriage. So dry spells in marriage happen, but we don't want to let them happen. Once we realize they're happening, let's be proactive and be desperate to get it back on track.
1: Yeah. And one last thing I'll add to that, which is great. Um, Sometimes dry spells are caused due to the reasons that you brought up there, Matt. Um, And often dry spells can occur because of drift that's occurred in our marriage. And so often we focus on the sex part. But as married couples, we need to learn to carve out time for each other and intentionally carve out time for each other. What's our connection points? Are we connecting as couples, as a couple, um, as husband and wife? Are we connecting? And that can be a clue because if we're stopped connecting, we've drifted apart and often that's very emotionally and spiritually and mentally cold between us. Um, Sex is going to be the last thing that we do with each other. So we need to come back and create warmth in our marriage again. And if you're feeling cold um, right now, I want to tell you there is hope. You can come back to a warm place. There's things that we can do simply by carving out time for each other, being intentional, whether that is just spending ten minutes a day having non-logistical talk, whether that's carving out time to go on a date. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be on um, this massive thing, but Connect, go somewhere together, go for coffee, go for a walk, spend some time together. And and just being able to carve those moments out with each other, you're gonna find that the more that you do that, the more that you're gonna draw closer to each other, and then eventually you'll open up the doors again for more of a physical interaction. Because physical, the sex, is birthed out of a deeper connection. And that's what we have to work towards is getting back to connecting. Simply the kind words we use with each other too, touching each other lovingly, non-sexual at times when we're passing our wife. This is more for us, guys. <laughs> yeah. The only way that you touch your wife is sexually. She's going to repulse from you because yeah. she feels like every touch that you give her is you're basically, um, you're, you're basically, there's a hidden motive behind every touch. Yeah, and that you're you give.
0: expecting something, yeah. putting pressure on her.
1: Yeah. yeah. But instead, what we need to do is give our wives hugs, kisses on the cheek, Um, A warm kiss on the lips without starting to rip clothes off. Like (laughs) we need to move towards giving non-sexual touch, tender, loving touches to our wives and wives too. If our husband, you know, giving them warm touches as well, create warmth in your relationship, just simple things like that. But come back to that because maybe that's the key to your dry spell is maybe you've just lost your connection with each other. So. A lot of good things to think through. Yeah. Well, let's move on. We got. Oh, so you got more? Yeah, I
0: just want to say one thing quickly. When it comes to physically coming back together, I know that that's a nerve-wracking thing for people when there's mm-hmm. been a dry spell. Sometimes, so physically, just take the pressure off and and let that be a mantra for you in your dry spell. Let's take the pressure off here. Let's have a conversation. Let's come together. So if you want to not if you want to take intercourse off the table, let's just start with naked cuddling. Yeah, let's just skin to skin. Let's just start mm-hmm. there. And then maybe let's start with skin-to-skin massages. Let's just give each other massages. And then, you know, you can go from there. And so let's take the pressure off. And ideally, and what we've experienced too with our marriage, but even others I know, ideally it comes to the point where you both just kind of want it again. Mm-hmm. And then you, you, that's what God wants. He wants us to desire it and desire each other and desire to please each other. So instead of going like, okay, we have to have intercourse tonight because we're working on ending our dry spell let's just take the pressure off a bit and come together physically in a safe and easy way. So, all right, next question. Um, How do you come together with your spouse and open and initiate discussion when there's been tension or even you could relate it to dry spells, Brad? Mm.
1: Yeah, that's a really, really great topic. Um, I think there's some things that we can do to, help in this area. So if you need to have a discussion, a necessary discussion, say about your intimacy, and I don't just mean sexually, this could be in in anything in general, as far as your intimacy, whether that's uh, emotional or uh, spiritual or whatever else, um, your connection with each other, um, you know, create space. Create space to have those conversations. Don't spring them on the other if the other
0: isn't ready for it. So you can text them before, like the day before (laughs) in the morning, like, hey, I want to talk to you tonight, (laughs) right? That's right. right.
1: That's right. Create space for it. So, because often what happens is we play these things out in our mind and maybe we have begun the conversation already. And we spring that on our spouse, expecting them to join us at the same level, but they're not there yet. So if, but if you say, hey, I would like to have a conversation about our sex lives um, together tonight. Can we do that? You create some space and that gives them the ability, your spouse, to get in that mindset. And you're offering them a gift um, of, of a conversation. And this is something that uh, sometimes we miss. It's just a simple little thing that we do do so that we create space. And then when that space is created, it's really important that we give opportunity for us to be able to share, but also to listen. And so when we're sharing, one of the things that we need to do is get really good at being able to communicate maybe what's going on for us, but not bringing in criticism, rationalization, some of these negative things that can seep into our communication styles. Like if we start putting all the blame on the other, if we come at them and what we're sharing and it's all their problem, they're not gonna hear anything. Whereas if we say, hey, I'm really feeling this right now. So what be, understanding in your sharing, the way that we share is important too. Be very specific to the issue, don't be broad you know, we call it kitchen sinking. So you use other past things that have happened to win your argument. This isn't about winning an argument. This is a sharing thing. You know, this is really about we need to devote some time to discussing what we're feeling, what we're going through instead of I need to win something over you. We never do that in marriage. We both have to win. It's not a win-lose thing. We can't do that. Matt and I love hockey. You're playing hockey and you're on a team. One of you isn't winning and one of you isn't losing because the team is losing then. So it's the same thing in marriage. You're going to think of marriage as a team sport. You both have to be winning. So the way that you're sharing is that we're helping your spouse win. And then on the listening end, we need to be really focused on our body language, creating space that we're not maybe on our phone. (laughs) Um, Put your phones out of the room. But learn to... Try to empathize with them, um, what they're sharing. Um, try to put yourself in their shoes. And what we're teaching here, I mean, these are bigger pieces for sure. This takes time. These are some skills that sometimes maybe we we need some some grace and learning and that's okay too. But uh, talking about some of these things, often the reason why I'm bringing this, this, this stuff up, up, up is because when we're talking, often it's the way that we're sharing, the way that we're listening that creates more strife than anything. So we have to learn to create this this environment where we can share, where we can listen, and uh, and you know there's a lot of great resources on how to do this well, um, and I think it's important that we we start to learn the skills of how to have a conversation, but create space for it, um, learn how to share and how to listen well, and and through that just be able to be open about some of the things that you're going through, and I, I think that. This takes time in marriage because even with the context of of sex as our topic of discussion, that can be a hard one. Sometimes we don't even know how to talk about sex. Maybe there is a little bit of shame growing up from that in our, our family of upbringing. We don't, never modeled for us how to talk about sex. We don't do that well with each other, but we can learn and we can grow and we can find a new way a third way we like to say um and, and that's uh, the way that you as a couple can learn in this together so this is a lot i know that was a lot to that question matt do you got anything else to
0: add yeah just quickly just quickly i'll add so when you're listening this is what i want to talk to you, is when you're listening well first i'll say this when you're communicating i think you, you kind of talked about it but don't don't attack just share your feelings mm-hmm hey, like people will say, well, you obviously don't care about me because you don't do this or this. Like, no, that's how you feel. But to say that to your spouse, like you obviously don't care. You obviously just don't love me. Those kinds of things are not helpful at all. Those are attacks and it's going to create defensiveness and separation and intimacy. So, hey, when you do this thing, it makes me feel like this. That's a way healthier way to communicate. And on the listening side, even when there is healthy communication and our spouse might say to us like, hey, when you do this, I feel like this we can then take that and hear it with shame and condemnation and like, Oh, I just, I'm just a bad wife or a bad husband or, Oh, I clearly don't know how to do things well. Or all I ever do is make up, make mistakes. I'm always the bad guy. We can hear this. And and that narrative is so unhealthy, even when our spouse is communicating well to us. And so that there's no way to move forward when shame and condemnation run the narrative. And so instead of seeing that with shame or hearing it with shame condemnation, we can see it that our spouse is honoring us so much. They're, they're bringing their concern to us not to attack us, but to say, Hey, this is an area where we could be better. Then you see the opportunity. So they're honoring you and you see the opportunity and you can be thankful for the opportunity to now know exactly what your spouse wants, what they maybe need emotionally or, or what your marriage needs from you. It's really good to have clarity, even if it hurts. And so We just want to be in a, in a heart posture of, I want to hear from my spouse, not like if I hear anything that I've done wrong, I'm just going to live in shame and all of that. Mm -hmm. So just wanted to throw that out there. Um, That's great. Question from Gino, fasting. Can you talk about fasting and pursuing wholeness? and in intimacy with God. Well, I, I love, I heard a pastor one time say that scripture says, if you sin and when you fast, and we we live our lives like when we sin and if we fast, because fasting is, is uh, it's optional for us, but of course, we're just sinners. Of course, we're gonna sin. And so scripturally, when you look at the wording of Jesus, it's, you know, if you sin, and then he also says, and when you fast, he's speaking to disciples. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus is saying, "This is the best way for you to live: Mm -hmm. is to fast." And um, you look at what what Adam and Eve did when they were when when with the first sin. Like they had all this food around them, they had an abundance of food; they could eat from any tree. And they looked at the one tree they couldn't eat from, and they feasted on that. So they lived as if they had no food, even though they had food. Jesus, on the other hand, he started his ministry by fasting. He literally had no food, and when he got tempted with food by the enemy. He said, "No, no, I don't live on bread alone." So he was fully aware of the satisfying presence of the Father in his life and the power of the Holy Spirit to sustain him. The reason he was fully aware of that was because of fasting. Mm-hmm. He he had nothing and he was then aware of God. Adam and Eve had all of it, but they weren't aware of God because they weren't even they weren't even willing to get through this particular moment of temptation without feasting on on what was pleasing to the eye. So um fasting is huge it, it's 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 powerful in a lot of ways and just having us be so much more intimate um with Jesus. There's a story of the disciples they couldn't cast out this demon and Jesus comes and the di- disciples are frustrated and and Jesus just casts out the demon and then they're, they're like what on earth like why could you do that but we were trying and we couldn't do it. And he's like, well, certain demons only come out with prayer, through prayer and fasting. If you look at that story, though, Jesus didn't fast <laughs> before that. And so why did he say that? It's because fasting is an entryway. It's a gateway into a more revelation from God and more power from God, the power and revelation that Jesus had already walked in. Mm-hmm. And so he lived a lifestyle of fasting. Um, he started that as, in his ministry for a reason. And so we need to, I think, incorporate that because it's it's huge. There's different kinds of fasting and there's health things that maybe get in the way in, in at times too, but it's something to prioritize to whatever degree we can.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And this is, I'll be honest with you guys, this is something I struggle with is fasting. It's not something that's been easy for me. Uh, is it easy for anybody? <laughs> no. People no, like, I hate fasting. No. Like, who loves it? <laughs> yeah. So I've we've gone about it a little bit differently. Like, Matt, you're mentioning, sometimes it's food, sometimes it's other things. I've done technology fasts. I've done other kinds of fasts as well. But uh, this is something that I, I struggle with and I think we all do. But on the tail end, I'll, dove, uh, I'll dovetail off of this. Is that the right word? But uh, the last little bit about intimacy, intimacy with God and wholeness. I want to recommend a few resources for you because this is a bigger question. The first one is a classic. Uh, it's it's about spiritual disciplines. It's called The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, classic book uh, on all the spiritual disciplines that you can do to draw closer to God, like prayer, fasting, different things like that, you know, solitude. Another great one that I would recommend is actually by a Canadian guy Ken Shigematsu, called God and My Everything. More of a modern spin on uh, Celebration of Discipline, but a great resource for you. And finally, another one, if you want to grow in your intimacy with God, this one has been something that's helped me a lot. It's called Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas. And essentially what that is, is that we all best connect to God in different ways. And we're all unique in this. That doesn't mean that there's multiple paths to God. It's only through Jesus Christ. What I mean is that some of us best connect through, say, worship. Some of us best connect through a deep dive and study you know into uh like into god's word now we should all be people of the book i'm just saying some of us love that you know getting your your cross references out different uh, translations of the bible out and maybe some of uh you know your commentaries out and trying to really get into that others of us love solitude so basically the point what i'm trying to bring up is that we have different ways that we best connect to god and i would say find out what those are and lean into them and that's, this book is something that kind of spells this out for you. So these are three great resources because I don't want to do you to the service of trying to answer this question when this is something that on your own you should really be leaning into because I won't be able to answer it fully to, to the way that I feel good about unless that you you look into some of these things yourselves. But this is something that's helped me. And I know, Matt, you've had your, your different resources that you plugged into as well. But when we're growing in our intimacy with God, this is a lifelong journey. There isn't a, a glib short answer. <laughs> This is a lifetime of pursuing Jesus and there's seasons of life for us that, that we all go through. And so if we can learn to build some consistency into this area, leaning into our walk with Jesus and and learning what that looks like, uh, knowing what we best connect to and that that level, it's going to help us. So that's what I would recommend to you look at some of those resources and we'll, we'll try to put those in the show notes for you, uh, some of those. And there might be other ones you know of as well too. But uh, growing in these areas, uh, it definitely takes some intentionality and choice on our end and carving out the time as well. You know, making that time and space to devote to your walk with Jesus, spending time in his word and prayer and and just being able to to do that on a regular, consistent basis. And and that's something that I know it, it seems cliche on a level but it's not it's that's really the crux of it is we got to devote the time to it and uh, god wants that time he He wants us to to seek him and when we do i mean he's with us but we, he, when we draw near to him he's drawing near to us and um and and, and so this is something he's always calling us to to a deeper walk with him um and so that's why uh, we have to be intentional with that
0: yeah. There's another book too. It's called the atomic power of fasting. And, uh, it's, it's a really good one. I'm just looking it up. I've never, I've never seen this other title. It looks like there's an ultimate or an alternate hmm. title, atomic power with God through fasting and prayer, but it's by Franklin hall. So you can look up, look at that uh, book up and, and I just encourage you to do it. The first time I ever fasted, uh, my roommate, I was single. My roommate said, Hey, do you want to do a five day juice fast with me? I'm like, sure. I don't know, it's just for health reasons, but it kind of turned me on to it. And so I started doing one-day fasts, and then it you know turned into more, and then there was 3 days, and then I started going 7 days and um and one time I went longer and and it doesn't really matter the time, but what I do want to say with the time is that when I've fasted 7 days or more, I've never not had something happen. Mm-hmm. Every single time I've done that, and when I say fast for me, it's it's just water and no food. It's Every single time something has happened, like God has done something miraculous in my life every single time when I've gone seven days or more. And so what I find when it's like a day or two is it's just really cool because my awareness of God and my dependence on him increases and I need him. And so even for me, this is how it is for me. When I do a Daniel fast, which some of you know is like eating veggies and grains and different things. Um, I'm still reliant on that and I'm looking like when I'm feeling down or tired, I'm still like, oh, at least I get that soon or whatever. And I'm not solely relying on God, but there are different ways to fast. And so if you want to do a juice fast to start or do a Daniel fast, you can look that up. What that is, it's from scripture. Um, That's great. I like water fasts because I'm like totally dependent on God. Sometimes I've done it where I'll have tea. Or something. And then even still, I'm like, oh, I just need that flavor instead of, oh, I just need the presence of God. <laughs> and so that's why for me, I like water fasts. And so I encourage you to do it, make a lifestyle of it. If you start by fasting a meal, that's great. Some people break their fast at night by just having suppers and they fast during the day and they start that way. So I just encourage you to do that um, because it is powerful. So last question, uh, just quickly uh, this from Nick How can I wrap my head around God's love? Hmm.
1: Well, Nick, if you have an answer to this question for us too, we'd love to hear it. (laughs) You know, I think this is, um, it takes a lot of meditation upon what he has done for us, who God is, his character and and us in relation to him. I know that's for me, that's how, I don't know if we ever fully wrap our mind around how incredible and immense God's love is for us, but, but we can still meditate upon it. And we grow in that to think that god created you knit you together in your mother's womb thought of you before the beginning of time and loves you dearly to the point where he sent his son to die for you on the cross these are things that when we meditate upon them and different scripture uh, verses that really speak to his love for us uh, it starts to really soak into us um, and we live it out of that love so i think it's important that we learn about God, learn about his character and understand what he has done for us and the way that he views us. So find verses that speak to that, pray into them. This isn't just a head knowledge thing. This is actually experiencing the love of God for us. And he is more than willing to give us that. Now, he does abundantly. Not only do you know it, but you feel it. And um, this takes time and a walk and journey of of, of faith. Um, and it's, it's something that... Is a rich experience for all of us that are call ourselves Christ followers, and um, I think this is something that, uh, I mean, the question's great, but again, it's something that's a lifelong journey uh, of of just devoting yourself to understanding who God is and understanding what He has done and who He is uh, in relation to us, and, and vice versa. So it's just, this is something that I, I'm still, you know, really, really push into as much as I can, and just even the question is great. Because it's a reminder, you know, I think it's, it's even as we're talking about it, just it's it's awesome to think of God's love for us, and um, I love the question. keep asking that question and leaning into that, and there's ways that we can learn about God's love and understand his love in our lives.
0: That's awesome, yeah, I love the question too, and let's not let our misunder not mis but our lack of ability to fully comprehend it stop us from going after it. Let's mm-hmm. just realize like there's always more. And uh, and it's really cool. I love what you're saying to meditate on things. And I just don't want us us two and, and listeners or anybody to hear that and go, yeah, I've heard about that before. But meditating that is important, isn't it? And then not meditate. I want us to actually meditate on it because mm-hmm. it's so it's so powerful. And my wife and I we were driving back from the Rocky Mountains uh, in Canada just a couple of weeks ago, and all of a sudden, like I, I forget if we had worship on or something, but I was just like, man, babe, like I just feel the love of God so powerfully right now. And I don't always feel it like that, but something, I don't know what it was. And she was like, there must've must have been worship on or something. Cause she's like, I know like, and we were just talking about the love of God and we just stayed in that. And it was really cool. Instead of just kind of brushing it off or being quiet about it, like we dwelled on it and we talked about it with each other and, and it was pretty cool. So really meditate on that, dwell mm. on that and let it kind of soak in, uh, soak into your mind and into your heart. So Um, hope that helps if you have more questions we want to answer so uh, send them go to the show notes right now and you can you can uh, find our emails there and then send in a question and we will make sure that we get to it on the podcast god bless and uh, he is with you he loves you chat soon thanks for listening if you would like to hear more please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you'd like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.